We are back. We are back. Welcome, everyone, to Match Point number nine of Tennis Bets Podcast. I'm one of three hosts here, David E.J. Berger. You can find our show handle at MP9Tennis on Twitter and all the socials these days. If this is your first time listening, chances are how you found us. Welcome, hello. We are down. One of our hosts here, not with me as always, is Derek. But we are still going from California, where I am based, to Canada to welcome in our third host here, Mr. John Reed, who has a, a big night of celebrating ahead as his Denver Nuggets took home the title of the NBA Finals in five games. Congratulations. Oh, thanks, man. I got no matches to watch tomorrow for tennis form. Not on the schedule there. The Stanley Cup final game is on tonight. I was had to be up really early in the morning, so no celebrating last night. But 15 minutes after the final buzzer, I'd already got my 2023 NBA champions hat ordered. It's on the way. It'll be here next week. I'll have it on for one of these recordings uh, for uh, for you and Derek. I, I, I'm pretty happy. All my teams now have won some sort of, of trophy in the time I've cheered for them. Except one. Except one. And it's the only one from the city I'm from. <laughs> I don't cheer for Toronto teams outside of the Leafs, and they're the only team I cheer for that is not one of freaking title. Amazing. God, I hate the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, at least you, you got a title last night for you, John. And you are world-renowned as a Nuggets fan, uh, but you're also renowned for your betting content that you do for your own brand, Tidbits Tennis. Uh, you also write for the Action Network, betting expert Hammer HQ, and you do tennis form recaps, like you mentioned. Want to make sure you get your plugs there, buddy. All right, John. Well, been a minute since we've been on the mics, so we should go over what we talked about last time in our accountability segment that we call, what did we win? What did we learn? Instead of doing the wins and the losses, let's combine them in this talk because we won a little and lost a little on each match we spoke about last time. Casper Rude and Sasha Zverev in the Roland Garros semifinal, Derek and myself won on the Rude money line while John learned uh, Big Z. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I learned. <laughs> is not, not it. I also got the under 40 at minus 125. That came in. So some nice wins there. Uh, we'll get to the Alcaraz Djokovic, the other semifinal here in a minute. But first, over in the United Kingdom in Surbiton, we talked to some grass challenger last week. STN versus Zizou Bergs. John talked about the set one tiebreak at plus 250, which did come in. But the main talk was the over 23 and a half, which failed. I won't say miserably because we got the tiebreak first set. But man, the other one, our guy, Jason Kubler. McCubler takes the first set versus Andy Murray. But dealt with some back issues. I was actually watching that match, which was on the same time as Akras Djokovic, and it did seem like Kubler was lumbering a bit. I uh, had some back issues, ends up losing the match. Uh, so the dog over combo, the John Reed special, does split, so it's not a total loss there. Andy Murray wins that event in annoying fashion last week. Annoying because we were fading in the entire week. Carlitos Alcaraz versus Novak Djokovic. Alcaraz famously cramps up and... Down goes my over 38 games and minus 125. Derek lost his Alcaraz play as well. But John, you easily hit your over three and a half breaks for Djokovic uh, as the last two sets. Uh, I think Alcaraz held serve one time or two times, maybe. Go one ahead. and one. So it wasn't more than two. We know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ugh, brutal. Uh, I, I put this at the end here because I thought we could talk about this. Uh, I, I'm a little annoyed and bummed. I'm like cramps from nerves. <laughs> really? Uh, seriously? I, I mean, I never even heard of that. Cramps from nerves? Like how many like how many high intensity sports with young people do you watch? And I've never heard of that. I mean, I'm not trying to bury the kid, but come on, man. At this point, a lot of his losses you can chalk up to injury. In fact, his last three got hurt against Center in Miami before this. 
against Cam Nori and Rio. I don't think he gets a pass, but certainly doesn't get painted with the same brush as Sinner and Runa in terms of fitness uh, because he has won a physical and a mentally taxing slam last year at the U.S. Open. But I, I fear you, you can't leave it out of your handicap at this point with Alcaraz. Uh, it, it's clear that he literally made himself hurt with his mind. Well, he says. I mean, this is this is Raphael and the Dow syndrome, right? If you can't win, blame injury. And I'm not saying that he didn't wasn't cramping. I'm just saying, like, this is this is very famously what Rafa does. Oh, I'm down. Jeez, something's going wrong in my body. All of a sudden, it's it's what they do. I'm sorry. I don't it's getting to the point where like Nori was giving him a fit, was giving him fits that whole match, long before he was feeling anything physically. And I almost feel like these guys bail out with an excuse where they realize, damn, I'm not in complete control. So I have to have something wrong with a little bit annoying, honestly, but I will say heading to grass court season where you can rush him and actually find cheap points against him. I think it'll be fun to, to see how many people give out like an Alcaraz plus 300 Wimbledon ticket. Anyone who were, I don't want to say anyone who bet that because there might be smart people that actually can show, get like make a good case for it. But like, there's also plus 900 Berrettini tickets. We'll get to that in the Wimbledon show. And I'm sure that'll change by then. But like, there are some stupidly poor prices on guys that just should not be at like the implied probabilities they are right now. And like I said, we have weeks to go in the grass court season, a few that that will vault some people up ahead of them. But like, I want to see how many people are giving out Alcaraz tickets back to the original point of uh, Wimbledon. Could be a fade sooner than that. Looks like he's going to play. Oh, yeah. But I just don't have those odds yet. Right. I'll definitely be looking to the opposite end of the draw from Alcaraz. I believe at Queens, which is the much tougher of the two 500s relative to Holly. As soon as Djokovic won, I'm like, neither is Varev or Rude are going to get set against this guy in the final. It's a fucking no. joke, man. I, hey, you know what? Credit Casper Rude, because I wrote that up. Um, but Expert wanted finals pieces as well for both the men's and women's. And luckily, I hit both of those. But I barely hit that Djokovic bet. Because I had that pegged as much like that Rafael, I don't think Djokovic is as dominant. I don't think. I know he's not as dominant as Rafael Nadal on clay courts. But that result I had finishing a lot closer to the result from last year's final than Rude winning a set. And that wasn't the case. He got to five all in one set. He got to a tie break in another. If it weren't for a 6-3 set, I'm not cashing the minus five and a half. So I will I will say, Casper Rude was much more impressive, specifically on serve in those final matches than I thought he would be. He doesn't have the most dominant serve, but man, he was hitting his, I think he turned up his forehand, turned like turned it up a notch against the better players this year. He didn't have as easy of a path and it, it worked wonders, especially be, to help back up his serve. He was really good on serve against Runa. He was really good on serve against Verev who's a decent returner that he was actually like, again, better than I thought he would be. I'm not saying he was lights out on serving against Djokovic, but he was better than I thought he would be against Novak. I thought that was going to end like an eight or nine game margin of, well, I didn't, that's not true. Otherwise I would have hammered a five and a half, but I certainly thought it would be up around the seven, seven and a half, eight mark by the end of it. And it only, it landed on six. Like market did a pretty good job there. Well, big thank you to everyone who checked us out over the fortnight in Roland Garros. We picked up, a lot of new listeners. We had record engagement, so thank you. And, you know, our goal here is uh, to be a companion for you along the tennis calendar year to not only talk winners, but to have some laughs and and just be involved with the, with the sport, you know? It's one thing to just follow blind picks on Twitter every day, but what we try to do here is to provide more than, than just the picks. We obviously want to give out 
good picks and uh, good analysis, but also, you know, be involved with the sport. Tennis. Let's go, man. We're, we're hitting peak tennis season. Everyone's complaining about all the sports being over. Basketball's over. Hockey's about to be over. It's our time to shine, baby. Tennis never ends. Never ends. Literally, it ends in December. But even then, it doesn't really because there's WTA 125Ks till like almost Christmas. So every single month, there's professional tournaments at some level. So if this is your first time listening, please do subscribe as we will be here grass season and beyond. Speaking of grass season, let's get into it after I talk about Spotify for podcasters. All right, John, we've got two grass 250 events this week. Let's start with the one in Germany, the Stuttgart Open, aka the Boss Open. Uh, This 250 event has a history that dates all the way back to 1916 and was a clay event all the way up until 2014. In 2015, it made the switch to grass. Used to be the Mercedes Cup until Hugo Boss took over as the main sponsor last year. Hugo Boss boy Matteo Berrettini is the reigning champ and returned to defend his title and was already shown the door by fellow Italian Lorenzo Sonego. Marin Cilic won this in 2021 over FAA. Berrettini beat FAA to win in 2019. Federer, Hui, and Nadal are the grass champs here. A little bit of history of the winners there and weather-wise. This week, high 70s to low 80s, mostly sunny, about 50% humidity, some summer conditions. Rain, thankfully not in the forecast, so should be good here for uh, some grass play. Big headline so far, Nick Kyrgios returned to the tour as well. He lost as a massive favorite to Wu Yibing, who was plus 210 on the set one money line and over plus 300 on the full match money line, which comes in. Lorenzo Musetti picked up his first main tour grass win over Goyo. And fading Dennis Shapovalov stays profitable as he drops to Marton Fucevic. That was fairly predictable. Uh, bad matchup for Shapo with that one, actually, I felt. Yeah, it, that's just... Dennis Shapovalov, when all the elite players are playing in Europe, is just has been bad for a couple of years. And when people are taking time off and we're past the last slam and he can dominate on quicker hard courts and like Seoul and, and the, the lesser events during the Asian swing and indoors, he looks fine, right? So he's racked up his points in Vienna, Tokyo, and Seoul. He won't have to, like, he. I don't think he'll drop out of the top 40 or 50 until at least then. So he's got he's got time. And he's going to win a round or two at Wimbledon and get points for that this year, too. So he'll be fine. But, yeah, he sucks. Oh, the headline, though. Berrettini bounced at boss. Some alliteration for the Berrettini bouncing <laughs> in his opening match. Berrettini remains boss baby. <laughs> Berrettini big boss baby big boss baby Berrettini bounced at boss event all right well Berrettini should was supposed to be one of the headliners here and it is pretty star-studded Stefano Tsitsipas took a wild card into this thing to and now he's a top seed uh Taylor Fritz is the two seed big foe is the three seed Hubie Hercash the four seed and Tommy Paul is the fifth seed and Musetti is the sixth seed Tommy Paul picked up a win today against Ben Bonzi. Looked pretty good. German Struff, who we've talked about a little bit too much on this podcast, he crushed Zhang in a match I thought was going to be a lot closer. Well, let's dive into some draw talk here because it's a pretty good setup here for Taylor Fritz to get pretty deep into this as he's a pretty good grass player. But what are your initial takeaways from this draw? Do you do you feel like there's any dark horses or are the, 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 the big seeds here going to rule the day? Yeah, I mean, I think the first quarter you should look to target Stefanos. Now, there's a lot of narrative around Stefanos Sitsi Pass was in spotted in Miami on Monday, and he's gonna have to play the second round in Europe. How's he gonna do it? Well, la di da. What do you know? 
the tournament organizers gave their top seed until Thursday for his second round match, even though Gasquet played on the Monday. And, you know, you'd think that perhaps the second round match would there be therefore be Monday, Wednesday, quarterfinal Friday. No, no, no. They're going to play Thursday. He's not on the schedule for tomorrow. So since he passed with that extra day, I'm not sure I'm really overly concerned about fatigue against Gasquet. He may not be the best person to oppose him with. I'm still uh, going back and forth on that, but he's still targetable on grass with the right players, right? With serve and volleyers, with big servers that can hammer away at his backhand. He still hasn't learned a very proficient block backhand yet, which is key for one-handers on grass courts. Just ask a certain Roger Federer, who is great on grass courts, one of the best of all time after like Novak. And who's in his quarter? The guy we've talked about way too much. My only outright for this event was 30 to one before, um, or right up after the draw came out before the first round and before he beat Zhang Zhizhen. But I've got Jan Leonard Stroop on 30 to one, very small amount of money uh, thrown down on that to win a few hundred bucks. Why not? Gave that out on the Patreon, but uh, that where I do my draw analysis. But I, I, I love this draw for him. I think Zhang Zhizhen, for me, too erratic. And it played out that way too, right? I think Zhang broke the first game of that first set too, by the way, then lost six straight. Correct. It was like a, the moral bagel. Uh, for Jan Leonard Struve. Both guys like, not like, but can play on quicker courts. They both have weapons. The difference is Struve doesn't necessarily force himself to stay on the baseline where he can get erratic, right? Zhang plays a flat ball style, which can be rewarded on grass, but he also spews a ton of errors that Struve just doesn't spew from the baseline because he's going to be at net a lot more. He's going to shorten points and play higher margin shots up there. So I like that matchup for him. I'm a little worried about Tommy Paul, and I think, Tommy's beaten Ben Bonesy rather easily. That's not the best matchup for y'all under Stroop, but it's not the most concerning either. And then, of course, what? Stefano Sitsi passing against a big server. I don't know if I'm flipping a coin there, but I certainly like it even more than I would have liked Stroop in Madrid, where I didn't like him, and he luckboxed a win. But now he's got much different conditions, a lower bounce that is going to favor him more than Sitsi pass, even faster courts that are going to favor him or at least allow him to minimize the break points, which he wasn't able to do in Madrid. He did minimize the breaks of serve, as we talked about ad nauseum there. And then from this, the next quarter here, who? Sonego, O'Connell, Watnuki, or Herkoc? Herkoc is again an eminently beatable player with a big server on a grass court. I thought, you know, I'm not expecting Struve to win, but at 30 to 1, I just didn't see a whole lot of players that can that have really proficient return games. Like I said, Tommy Paul probably worries me as much as Stefano Tsitsipas and Hubert Hercatch in this half of the draw. So that that's the only one I took here. I only took one at each of the men's events and they were both 30 to one before their draws uh, with one of my books. Figured to yeah. avoid that bottom half where, like you said, Tiafo is is decent on quick courts down there. Nick Kyrgios was there. Taylor Fritz is down there. Karatsev can beat anyone on any given day with his weapons. Figured it was smart to stay up in the top half of the draw. Despite having a top three grass elo, Sitsipas has only played 28 tour level grass matches in his career, which is a little shocking. He typically, I feel like he, t- he typically skips grass, most of grass, and uh, goes on vacation after a so, grueling uh, clay season. Bit of context there. The grass, e- that's the grass combined elo. Correct. That's your your uh, okay, Yes. Yes. Grass raw, he's down at like 10th, which isn't a huge difference, but it is. I'd, I'd say worse, obviously, than than using the blended. And he had a, a solid, I can't take that away from me, he had a solid 2022 on grass that I was somewhat impressed by. But I'm still not convinced that he's good enough to deal with a really big server like Struve hammering away at his backhand. I mean, Maxime Cressy is top five grass, grass raw elo. He already lost, so. Yeah. <laughs> Max Cressy, I think raw the blend, elo top five. Ooh. The blended, I think, something to keep in mind as well. 
And yeah, Fritz, man, I mean, I have a bet that I'm going to talk about here with Fritz coming up against Karatsev. No one here is a, a good of a grass quarter as Taylor Fritz. And honestly, on any of these courts, or on any surface, really, uh, aside from Musetion, uh Clay, I think Fritz would be the favorite uh, in this field. Karatsev, Fuchovic, Wuyabing, Tiafo, Laheshka, Barrer, Musetti. I mean, he's the favorite against all those guys on any court except Musetion. Clay. I, I actually would be kind of shocked here if Taylor Fritz doesn't uh, sneak his way into the final here. The one thing, I, the one thing I like about Fritz too is if you want to speak relative to other favorites, Bet three six five has both him and Cincy Pass plus three fifty. I'd much rather bet on him plus three fifty than Cincy Pass plus three fifty. I'd rather bet on him plus three fifty than Hubert Hercotch plus five fifty. Uh, to be honest, especially with Cincy uh, Pass and Hercotch having to go through each other and then Fritz on top of that. So, I mean, if you're going to bet a favorite on this board, I would certainly say Fritz is the one to bet. This is after the first round. Um, Struff now 18 to 1 for me, right? So don't know if there's as much value there. I, I still think a nice double-digit number isn't isn't the worst thing, but um, I'm just going to cling to my 30 to 1 and, and see how far I can ride that. And and Fritz also, I mean, we, we saw him lose kind of later in Munich, but not a guy that typically bails on these smaller events. Made the a deep run in, in the Dallas Open. So if he does play Wuyi Bing in the next round after Karatsev, bit of a revenge spot for him there as well. I think you can take that into consideration. I think he probably wants to beat this guy, avenge that loss a little bit. Well, I'll, I'll hop into the plays here. And Taylor Fritz to win in straight sets against Karatsev, Oslan Karatsev, is minus 125. Uh, he's a heavy money line favorite at minus 375. Karatsev is plus 290. Games line is three and a half. Honestly, the games line isn't terrible either, uh, but I, I just don't see Karatsev taking a set here. He's been playing a lot better, but grass really isn't his surface. His only wins on grass in his career are against Clay Quarters, Tabilo in 2021 at London, Munar at Mallorca last year, and three sets, and then he beat Mutet, who was coming off injury, and there were two tiebreak sets in that as well. Yeah, I just I think it's going to be an up- uphill battle for uh, Karatsev. Uh, against Fritz, even uh, in Fritz's first uh, appearance on grass this season. What's the, what are the games at? Is it probably still only three and a half, right? Like, yeah, the games scare me because we could get a tie break here, but well, I'd rather the plus three and a half the way Karatsev can just hammer away and like his serve plus one, if it's clicking at all. And again, it doesn't have to click every point. It's just four points out of six in his service games. It takes an elite, like elite returner, to kind of counter that. And honestly, I don't, I think Fritz is fine, but he's not elite uh, at returning. And like you said, the, the one thing that kept me off Karatsev against Mute was the, the history on grass. And I mean, I, I'm kind of glad I didn't, if I like being results oriented, which you shouldn't be, but if you want to be results oriented, it was seven, six, six, seven, seven, five. And he did like, was in trouble in certain service games. And Mute is not the greatest, especially like with a, quasi what do you call it like uh one-handed backhand that he's playing like a makeshift one-handed backhand right now on a grass court against a big a player with big weapons that should have been way too much of a mismatch for him to deal with and like Karatsev could barely get by him so to me he just hasn't been good enough on grass courts uh to to back against Fritz at the plus three and a half but I mean I don't know man there's like a plus 335 out there on the money line, if he's if he's gonna be, keep it, if he's gonna serve and hit well, I don't expect him to break. I don't expect him to be like tactically smart, but if he's gonna be able to crush the ball and, and find a little red line. I might take like a a little twenty or thirty dollar wager, something small on uh, 
on Aslan Karatsev to to win the match, like plus three thirty five. I totally expected to lose it, but last year, which Karatsev was not in good form, but lost to Hachanov, Stricker, Big Dom Stricker on grass, and Medvedev from a setup. Right. The thing was, even even the two losses from a setup like weren't particularly close in the end. Like it was a five game lot margin of victory for Medvedev and a like eight game margin of victory for Machanov, even though he won the first set in both of those matches, which is just like such an indictment on Aslan Karatsev, to be honest, uh, with his weapons. But yeah, I think I, Fritz is Fritz is as good, if not better, than those guys too, and and uh, especially on grass. Medvedev at a two fifty, I'm not sure how much I I would have trusted that that motivation anyway. So it's I would I would just go money line or nothing with Karatsev. I just hope for a super close match where you're holding the plus three thirty five. I'm sticking with the two. I I, I think Fritz gets it done here. All right, Hubie Hercash is a massive favorite against Yasuke Watanuki. Minus three fifty on the money line. The dog is plus two seventy five. It's a three and a half game spread here. The total on Bovada is a um the total on Bovada is a juiced twenty two and a half still. It's minus one thirty, so it's really twenty three most places, I assume. Rightfully so, in this what in what should be a serve oriented match, you can get plus thirty plus three and a half or minus one thirty. I mean, this has two tiebreak sets written all over it. Watsonuki, I watched yesterday the the highlights of his match his match against Philly Lopez, which, you know, Lopez is an older, you know, out of shape player, but man, not too dissimilar for what Hubie's going to bring to the table in terms of it being mostly serve, a lot of net play, and there was a lot of great passing shots uh, from Watanuki to, to get that win versus Lopez. Getting by Lopez at the net, I think he could do that here against the, the pole as well. Yeah, I mean, there's just there's so much to like about this Watanuki matchup. Again, there's no guarantee he wins, but from a, a pre-match perspective, there are certain things to like in, that, that are in his favor. One, I mean, Hubie's break rate last year was like 13% on grass. That's not great uh, for anyone, really, even on grass. And I think against some of the bigger servers, it was, you know, I think Kyrgios, he beat 4-6-7-6-7-6. I don't think there was a break in there. I, I don't, there was two tie breaks against Felix. I think that one might have had a break for each guy, two breaks for each guy. But the point is, even the year before, his 17% break rate was like he had a bagel against Federer. He played a bunch of non-servers. He beat Bublik down by like four or five breaks uh, in, in that match at Wimbledon where Bublik clearly just once he was once he was down a set and a break was just pat- mailing it in. Hubie isn't the greatest returner. We know this. He's not in great form. So it's not like, you know, his form coming in is scintillating and his serving is just spectacular. Watnuki's a quick court specialist in his own right, likes quicker courts and does have at least some experience on grass not a lot but some coming into this so he's used to the bounce he likes lower bounces anyway he could rip his forehand so you've got a good serve an aggressive game against a non-returner on a fast low bouncing court the guy you're playing isn't in form so i don't know why that like that wouldn't that wouldn't make the price any different and yet you're plus 300 not to mention as you said not just Feli lopez the two guys he played in qualifying again not good players challenge i wouldn't even say good challenger to her players on Squire and benny hassan but the thing both of those guys have height and a big serve right especially squire he's more of a bot That's good so they point. don't have the baseline game that hubie does but they have those serves so at the very very least he's prepared to play a big server he's played three of them on grass at this event on these courts already coming into this matchup if he finds any sort of timing against her catch's serve there could be trouble spelled uh for for hubie in that one because 
you know, he doesn't have a whole hell of a lot on return. Do you have an official play on that one, John? Deciding my combination, but likely an over games, over sets, and money line combo. Those are my my three most likely. The first set overs they'll always look good too. I mean, I I price a tie break in the first set at plus 175 and I'm seeing a plus 240, which I mean, seems outrageous. So I'm probably a little bit off there, but even if it, you know, you should be at plus 200, plus 200 to plus 240 is, is probably a, a playable number as well. Set one money line for a guy that's already won three times on these courts. He'll be coming onto the, the courts for the first time. Plus 190 set one money line for Watanuki. I yeah. Mean, this is the market where you want to price shop, right? Because you got a plus one as low as plus 175 and as high as plus 200. What, you know, bet three six five being the plus one seventy five, pinnacle being the plus two hundred. Well worth uh, shopping around for for the derivative markets like that because there will be larger gaps than than you would get on the like overall money line. All right, Chris O'Connell, the Australian. Well, I'm a fan of He's taking on Lorenzo Sonego, who took down Big Boss Baby Berrettini in the last round. Sonego was minus two fifteen on the money line. You can get O'Connell at plus one eighty five on Bet Online, and the, the the spread is two and a half, so they're thinking this is going to be a tight match, and yet you can get almost two to one on the money line uh, with the Australian. Uh, I believe you're hot on this one as well, John. Yeah, I mean, Senegal's been better on grass than I think anyone would have anticipated a couple of years ago. You know, he's got a title on the surface in Antalya, although he beat like Prajnes Guneswara on a serve and volley bot, Joao Sosa, Pablo Carreño Busta, and Mimir Kichmanovic as four of his five wins to get there. The Manorino win, I'll give him. But he was really close to losing that one. And then, you know, the Eastbourne final in 2021. Milman Bublik Purcell's relatively impressive. Wimbledon fourth round in 2021, right? He's, again, Galan and Sosa along the way. So, you know, Benoit Pair, the ever-mercurial pair in Stuttgart is one of his wins. Two tie breaks against Struff and a coin flip. Hugo Gaston last year at Wimbledon. Dennis Kudla, I can't take away from his win. Multiple wins against James Duckworth. Pretty, pretty decent stuff on... Grass courts, but again, one of those four, six, seven, six, seven, six. Aussies like quick courts. Aussies like lower bounces. They're good on grass. Senego doesn't have the backhand for the backhand to backhand uh, exchanges to really exploit the one hander for Chris O'Connell in a big way. His inside out forehand could do that. Can't can't deny that, and so could his serve. But I'll take O'Connell tactically. I'll take him from the baseline on quick courts. I mean, as much as he's racked up success on clay courts. In the last few years, he still came up. He's still in Australia. He still came up on hard courts. I think won like 65 matches at the ITF and Challenger Tour a few years back on clay to really develop his game. And that's how he's become an all-quarter. But I still like him on grass courts here. He's got a decent, a, a half-decent resume of his own. I don't think there's this big of a gap. And the big thing for me is how is he, you know, closing minus 140 as a favorite in his first match this week, which, you know, again, it's it wasn't against Sonego. It was... It was against Daniel Altmaier, who's a clay quarter, but who still has a big serve, who has a, a relatively aggressive game. I think that was probably right. Like, I didn't bet O'Connell in that matchup. I don't think that Sonego is like this out-and-out out, way ahead of Daniel Altmaier to the point where now he's plus 180 from being minus 140. I think there's there's just a huge overreaction to the Berrettini win, and Berrettini looked like absolute garbage. He's coming off health issues he is clearly not himself he hasn't been himself all season i get that it's one and two against that serve is the serve really where it needs to be though either like is it as unbreakable as previous years no so i mean even the breaks of serve against berrettini you'd have to take with somewhat a grain uh, uh, or with a grain of salt 
I just I think there's an overreaction here to, to Lorenzo Senego's record, potentially data on grass courts. I think there's some weak wins in his past, especially in the title year uh, three, three, four years ago. I'm not as big as the market on uh, on Senego here. And like I said, I think Chris O'Connell's got the better kind of tactical tennis brain, if you will, point construction, underrated serve of his own. Should be able to keep this one close. This looks like another dog over kind of combination if um, if you want to look at it that way. And and I mean, the over is 23 and a half, so not great. But the, the over sets is up around plus 140, which probably the better way to attack that, especially if you're going to play uh, several tie breaks. You'd have to get pretty unlucky not to hit either the over two and a half sets or the money line along the way, if not both. But I, I do think O'Connell keeps this much closer than I think the market anticipates in the money line. Uh, market let's talk about the gasquet sitsipas match next uh, on thursday you can get plus four with gasquet at minus 125 and the set one to win is plus 225 i mean sitsipas is gallivanting around town with bedosa doesn't really seem like his nose is to the grindstone uh, uh for his uh chosen profession at the moment also gasquet this dude is a baller on grass. His career, he's 74 and 38 on the surface in his career. 66.1 winning percentage on grass. That's a huge number for a dude who obviously is the more talented top tier player, but questionable motivation. Gasquet, I think probably a little inflated on the on the price because of his poor clay form. And now we've we've moved to a different part of the calendar. Yeah, I like the plus four and I like the set one money line. At plus 225. Steph might gut this out at the end, working his way into it, but it's going to be tough to get over the hump of that four. I like Gasquet's chances in that first set a lot. Yeah, so do I. And I, But I, I still trust, like, unless he's going to break Steph in his first or second service game, first match on the on the grass courts for the year, coming from Miami earlier in the week, potential jet. Like, unless it's he breaks him early, I really like the set overs here. I'd rather back Gasquet early on in the match when his legs are still fresh. And I mean, it's not as taxing of a surface as clay. So obviously they'll, they'll be fresher deeper into the second set, but I'm not looking to to potentially get involved more than just backing like the over uh, 10 and a half and 12 and a half in the first set. He holds at, a, at I think, at a better rate than you'd think with his game style. Since he passes return is, is always vulnerable on these courts. The one-handed backhand to one-handed backhand exchange, I think, much less favorable for Sitsi Pass on clay because of the contact point needed to hit on grass, right? It comes way down. We saw it with Alcio Fields today against Manorino. When Manorino hit that backhand and it stayed relatively low to the forehand wing and cross-court uh, exchanges with Fields because he's a righty, it drove him nuts. Like the contact point was driving him nuts. And I think that's where Sitsi Pass has struggled in the past, whereas Gasquet can go down and dig those out uh, if needed. He's he's done it with a plum and he can hit them down the line, I think, too more effectively and more consistently uh, in, a, in a successful way, that is, than Stefano Tsitsipas can. So for me, I think this is a, a relatively close match. I might take the Gasquet money line. I just, I don't know if he has the, the sheer firepower to hold Tsitsipas off, unless, of course, there's that motivation angle. And I'd rather fade Tsitsipas with like three to three and a half games with someone like Struff uh, or with overs with someone like Struff or, or even a her catch, like the automatic tie breaks that'll come in that potential matchup. Or I should I say Watanuki, pardon me. Don't be, don't be uh, putting that energy out there when we're going to be on Watanuki, but um, like there are going to be other guys that are going to be undervalued against Steph Sitsipas. I mean, I like, I, I respect his 2022 grass season. 
I think it was his 2022, might've been 2021. I'm, I'm mixing up the post, the two post pandemic grass seasons at this point, but no, it, it was 2022 where, you know, he had a title in Mallorca, but he beats Marcos G- uh, Giron, Ilya Ivashka, Ben Bonzi, and Roberto Bautista Agut in a third set tie break. Like he needs four sets to beat Alex Richard as what was he minus 2000 in that match? He needed a, a, a seven, six first set. And then he lost a set along the way. I don't know, man. I just, even, even that successful grass season, quote unquote, there's wins against like some guys who like quicker courts, but don't have the biggest weapons to trouble him. Bonesy times two, Giron, Ivashka, Richard, an inexperienced Dom Stricker and somewhat erratic. And then he's got two losses to Kyrgios. The Jordan Thompson was the one that really pissed me off. That's the one where I thought uh, there was a nice fade spot, but there's going to be good fade spots with some of the servers in this uh, draw. And I think we'll get some value because of his, you know, that, that ELO rating that is completely inflated after last season. All right. We got one more site to talk about over in the Netherlands known as Den Bosch, ATP Den Bosch. It's a 250 grass event. Been around since 1990. Local village kid Tim Van Rythoven was the ultimate money line rollover at this event last year. Steaming through FAA and Medvedev as a huge dog in both matches to claim the title. And, and Fritz then, in the first round. And Fritz in the first round. Gaston, he also beat along the way. Before that, the French ruled this event in 2019 and 2018 with Manorino and Gasquet taking the title here. Manorino is back in the field. Picks up a win against a young gun, Arthur Fields, as a short money line favorite. Uh, this is a true wild card event as none of the big three or even Andy Murray's won this. Uh, weatherwise, it should be sunny, low to mid 80s, little chance of rain. Winds could pick up, uh, but seem okay. Uh, good grass weather as well. So it should be a good week for us at both sites weatherwise. Uh, big headlines so far Milo Ronich returned to the tour after a two year absence and hit 15 aces en route to a straight set win. Against Mio Kishmanovic, Rinki Hajikata, who John mentioned had a solid week at the challenger level on grass last week, picks up his first tour win on grass as a lucky loser against Bruver Ugo Umber, who has to be a real threat to win this tournament. Be our guy, Jason Kubler. Rusevori wins as a slight plus money dog against Nakashima. Bublik kept Gafen's bad 2023 going. Greek Sport did it for the home country, beating Emer in three. What do you think about uh, this this site, John? Well, I think the first thing that I, I noticed um, when when looking at the market in the individual matches, just to start, was Umber and Rusuvori. This one opened with Umber as a dog. And it just goes to show the opportunities you're going to have because a lot of this is going to be data-driven and you know head-to-head driven, right? Rusuvori's beaten Umber, Umber, what, two or three times this year already? Got to have him as the favorite. He's He owns Umber. Completely different surface. There were so many tie breaks in those matches. You get onto grass where Umber's style works far more. And you see the market actually correct that really quickly. He's down to like minus 125 from plus 116. But it just goes to to show you and, and it kind of illustrates how there are opportunities. And there are a lot of mistakes made by books at the open uh, in tennis. So, you know, never give up. Always try to look for qualitative edges because they do exist. And there's just far too many matches for them to to have everything right with their quantitative data-driven kind of stuff. So that's the first thing. The second thing, like you said, true kind of wild card tournament. Like this is a 250 out in the the Netherlands. You're not going to get a lot of big names here, especially because it's always the week right before Halle and Queens where the big, you know, their 500 level events with way more money 
and obviously double the points for the winner. So that's where the big dogs all do their, you know, have their warm-ups for Wimbledon. And, so, you know, you get chances for guys like Jan Leonard Struff in Stuttgart or Alexi Popirin in Den Bosch, who came through for me today against Alto Rinderkanech. I didn't bet on him in the individual match sense, but he was the much better player. Looks good. On, he looks good on grass, man. He, he, he has the mentality to pepper backhands uh, with inside out forehands against fellow righties. Get those slices, those defensive slices to land shorter and shorter. He's willing to come to net. Looked good at net. Huge first serve. And for a big dude, he moved around the baseline beautifully on grass. Tough to do. Get that footwork down. Get that comfort in movement on this surface down. I got I got a 30 to 1 ticket on Popier and before the uh before the first round began as well. Uh, and he's through. So that's the only outright for me this week uh, in terms of draw talk. Well, I tried to pick him last week. Uh, if I recall, uh, he lost in the first round for me. Thanks, bud. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what we're always one week early on these guys, so you're one week early helps me hope, hopefully, helps me execute, uh, or be able to withdraw or not withdraw, but extract some equity from, from an outright ticket this week. Now, we do have some headliners here on the top and the bottom half. Medvedev is in the draw, Yannick Center is on the is in the draw in the bottom half. It, it is tough. To know, but I do feel like this is, I mean, just the profile event is you, you want to take some shots on on some dark horses here. Hugo Bear, I think, is a, a guy who considers himself a grass player. We're not sure about Kubler's health, but he kind of just steamrolled through Kubler. Um, and I think likely to win tomorrow. Demonor is another name. He's not such a dark horse as he's a, a higher profile player, but he's great on grass. He could easily beat Yannick Sinner. Uh, in a potential semifinal, Greek Spore. I mean, we saw the the countrymen and, and Van Rijthoven, uh take this thing down last year. I think attacking center in the bottom half is it's definitely the way to go. Medvedev has been just too good this year. Last year he lost in the final, but that was like a walkabout year for for Medvedev. I, he, it really is like a night and day, twenty twenty two versus twenty twenty three for Medvedev. He's been awesome. I mean, I know he had the the stunning exit at the French Open, but other than that. You really can't uh, say too many bad things about Daniil Medvedev in 2023, and I, I I expect that to continue here. I don't think I don't think he will lose to Adrian Manorino, and I don't think he will lose in the next round. I, I, yeah, I, I just don't think he will lose to the final. To be honest, um, I want my revenge for not getting either of those five all sets here last year when I had the plus one and a half sets at near the same money line price point. To be honest. They played here last year in the semis, I believe. And it was like 7-5, 7-5 Medvedev. The most puke-worthy scoreline for someone who didn't have the over games and who had, a, I think, plus one and a half sets ticket for Manorino. I'm not sure if he was up a break in one of the sets, but like it was a super tight match. And of course, he fell apart at the very end of both sets. It was so frustrating. Now, Medvedev did shave his beard and cut his hair, so he might have lost all of his power. <laughs> <laughs> That's my big thing that scares me is uh, he's shorn. <laughs> okay. I actually do. I, even though I do think Medvedev will steamroll this, I do think if you're I don't know, from an outright perspective, uh, if those are available to you, I do think the darker horses on, on both sides of the bracket are the way to go um, because of the nature of this event. Okay. I want to talk about the Milos Ronich and Jordan Thompson match first, surprisingly, because I actually love Jordan Thompson in this spot. Uh, Ronich had a 
I'm not going to call it a walkover or a walking by as I, the, I like that term that you mentioned uh, with Hachanov uh, in our French <laughs> open preview, uh, but it kind of was a walking by against Kazmanovic. He was not a good grass quarter. He looked fit. He looked okay. I, I, I thought Ronich actually had pretty good uh, fitness. He hit 15 aces and um, mentioned the chat similar to our Isner, our take on Isner for the French open. These, these serve guys uh, can just kind of just go to their local gym and, if the mechanics are right, just serve their way through holds. That said, Jordan Thompson, I mean, he's a great grass player. He's more informed than Ronich. I mean, I don't know that Ronich should be minus 145, a minus 145 favorite against Jordan Thompson off one win against Keshmanovic. Yeah. And and ask yourself if he doesn't, if, if this is the first round match and it's Ronich's first match since 2021, is he minus 145 against Jordan Thompson, who likes faster courts, lower bounces? And it's a flatter ball. He's not. He's he's the dog. But you beat Miamir Kichmanovic in a down year when he's been pretty bad, except for, I think, two random finals at 250s, one on medium hard courts and one on clay where he's better off, doesn't have weapons, isn't particularly great on grass. That win now makes him, you know, go from what I, I would presume he'd be like at least a plus 110, plus 120 against Thompson on grass in the first round to like minus 145. That's just a huge overreaction there. And it's not even about letdown spot. There's going to be people that say letdown spot. I'm like, is it really a letdown spot because he won one match? It's like, no, you have letdown spots off titles and off like massive wins. Beating Miramir Kichmanovic, even though it's your first match back, that's a great accomplishment. Beating Miramir Kichmanovic in the first round of a grass court event should not lead to a letdown spot for Roundage. But there is an angle to attack. And that is, you know, that that overreaction from the market here to be like, oh, he's back. You know, he won in straight sets hit a ton of aces, generator break points. I don't think it's going to be as simple to generate break points here uh, as it was in that opening round, and, and that should tighten things up. A plus 130 hanging out there on Jordan Thompson seems like a nice bet. I agree. That's a great fucking bet, win or lose. Another bet I like is on a favorite. Now, I mentioned Rinky Hijikaja picked up his first grass win, and he's been playing better. Uh, but I I've watched this guy get beat down by much stronger servers left and right this season, did it in the qualifying of this very tournament against Barankas. Uh, now, Marc-Andrea Hussler is only minus 133 on the money line against uh, Hajikata. I feel like Hussler's going to be able to hold uh, and, and find breaks, and uh, I like to favorite here uh, in this matchup. So I'm on the other side, and I'll be large on the other side for a couple of reasons. One, Rinky is holding at a 90% rate this grass season. It's a small sample. Everything in grass season is a small sample. If you're going to wait for a large sample, you're going to end up starting to bet when someone's too old for that sample to be relevant, unfortunately. And he's played, I'd, I'd venture better returners. Ilya Ivashka is a better returner than Marc-Andrea Huesler, like objectively speaking. So is Ricardus Barankis. So is Jordan Thompson. I'd even say that Billy Harris on freaking grass is probably a better returner than Marc-Andrea Huesler, who is just not a good returner, period. Uh, Rinky's winning 74% of his first serve points, 58.5% of his second serve points, and holding at a 90% clip. The kid is loving grass court play. He's Australian, which, I mean, it's just going to factor in for me every time grass season comes around. They're one of the only other countries that has, like, grass courts in, in any kind of actual, like, decent number, other than, like, England, I think, and maybe even, I guess, Germany and, and the Netherlands randomly. But not a lot of lawn court tennis in Switzerland. And my problem with Huesler is not only does he suck on return, which is going to give like almost gift rinky or should almost gift rinky holds of serve, but he's, he's 
vulnerable to a few things. One, who's the better baseliner and mover here? Ricky blows him out of the water. Uh, in t- if, if there's any prolonged rallies, I would agree. If there's any movement uh, kind of that comes to mind. The second thing is Huesler's willing to come to net. But just because you have a huge serve and want to come to net doesn't mean you're a good serve and volleyer. He's a lot like his fellow Swiss uh, professional in Antoine Bellier in the sense that his net game, he comes in, but it's not that polished. Now, he's better than Bellier, obviously. That's why his ranking is is so much better. But if Ranky can just square up a few serves, get that racket face up to start points, and if Huser's coming into net, just find a way to get that into his body. There are ways to like crack through his serve and volley game. I actually love Rinky Hichikati here. He is he has to be the favorite for me, not just to pick him. And I I think there's a lot of value to be had in the plus one plus one teens, uh, just because Huesler for me just has nothing but the serve, which could be enough on grass. He could win at seven six seven six, which is fine, and it's why I'm going to end up going with um, the set overs, probably for a half unit each on the first set, and then the money line at several units. And I mean, if I lose this six four six three, I'm willing to take a big hit like two or three units, not a big hit. Not like don't go betting 10% of your bankroll, but a few percentage points on the bankroll I'm willing to take to back Rinky here. I think this price is way off. Well, we got both sides on on that one. Uh, I would love to run to the fire with, with Hachikata, but um, I don't know. I like the, the Hustler side on that one. Uh, all right. We do have a line on Greek Spore Popper in here, John. Greek Spore is... Minus 120 on the money line. Hoffman is even money on on Bovada. Uh, But over on Bet Online, Greek Spore, it's more of a pick 'em. It's minus 107 for Popperin. Greek Spore is minus 113. Are you sticking with your Popperin side here? Um, This screams over to me, much like the Rinder Kanesh Popperin. You knew there was going to be a tiebreak in that match. There was one break point in the first set, and Popperin played a decent return game to get it, and he took it. And then he missed a love 40 in the second set, and he needed the tie break there, which was the irony of it. But he played a couple good return games. These guys, again, both big servers, both big plus one, four hands. Not the greatest returners on like quick hard courts, let alone on grass. I do like Popperin a bit more. I actually think he's less erratic, despite probably being more of the pure power player than Talon Greek Spore is. I think fewer errors likely to come from him. Total tie breaks in the match, minus 150 for a tie break at any time. I, I don't hate if it's going to be a close match and I get three sets. <laughs> like, I love that bet. Even if I only get two sets, it to me, it feels like a good bet, even though it's juice, just because these guys can struggle on return. I think there were five total break points in the popular match. Talon's match obviously had more because it featured Michael Emer, who himself is underpowered and himself is more return-oriented. And even then, you know, you get your three sets. I don't think there was a tiebreak in that one, but different scenario, right? Your first set tiebreak, plus 225. These are numbers that all intrigue me in what should be a heavy, heavily serve-oriented match and actually has some parallels to Popurin's first match that saw a total of one break of serve and five. Don't quote me on. I think it was five. I I watched it uh, from start to finish, and I'm pretty sure it was five uh, break points total over nine and twelve is 21 service games. Greek Spore again more athletic than Rinder Kanesh, but I wouldn't say he's necessarily 
infinitely like that much better on return does spew some errors as well. So popper might have some openings. There are, there are reasons this isn't like minus one ten for a first set tie break. I just don't think it should be plus two twenty five. I think there's room to work with uh, on that bet. But I think the overs here are the ways to attack this. Popper into even money. It does seem pretty fifty fifty to me. So I don't know. I don't think there's any value in in the popper and money line. But I think the overs certainly uh, are a good look. And look at Greek sports history on grass too. Just for a quick second, I think he's played a lot of those lengthy sets um, when he comes up against this kind of similar profile you don't want to just take any seven five or seven six set but if you know it's against a fellow big server it is kind of relevant right two tie breaks against uh feli lopez last year he had even against alex molchan there was a tie break in there there was a 12 game set and a tie break in three sets against antoine bellier another tie break against molchan Played two tie breaks and five sets against Alex Molchan. Tells you all you need to know. A tie break against Bautista Agut. Two tie breaks against Oje Aliasim. Two 12-game sets against Aliash Bedne. That's just in 2022. I mean, you you go back to 2021 where he just played Wimbledon. Two uh, All three sets against Thomas Fabiano went to 12, 12 games or, or a tie break. And then two of five sets against Arthur Ferry, who's not exactly the most you know, tall, dominant server went to a tie break. He tends to find tie breaks and, and 12 game sets on grass, especially against players with decent serves like your Beliers and your Ojeelia seams. And, and I think Popperin fits that mold. So for a lot of reasons, I think the overs look decent here. All right. Last one. And we're going and we're going to get out of here. Alexander Bublik taking on Yannick center. Bublik is plus three and a half and even money. So you can, can you get up to four? The four is expensive, minus 145. Okay, so plus three and a half at even money. Plus 275 on the money line. Center is a minus 350 favorite. The total is only 22. It's a juice 22 at minus 125. Now, what if I were to tell you, John? Bublik is career. 21 and 14. On grass. It's a fast surface where the points are short and he doesn't have to coil away and actually care for long points and have patience. So I guess it makes sense. Yannick Center is four and six on grass at the tour level. All four wins coming last year at Wimbledon. Yeah. I mean, the serve isn't dominant and it, it can have letdowns, I suppose. Maybe the movement wasn't great until last year. He wasn't comfortable moving on the grass. Um, baby giraffes tend to, to, you know, move more awkwardly than, <laughs> than humans. And so, you know, it's, it looks awkward on a hard court sometimes, but no, but in all seriousness, I, I I'm blind betting Bublik there, but what if he doesn't care? Okay. It's a break even percentage of, of 25%, not 53%. The guy th- thrives on quick courts. And when he's at the top of his game, he can absolutely serve his way to two tie breaks against Yannick Sinner on a grass court. If you're going to give me plus 300 for two or three tie breaks along the way, I don't I don't care. I'm taking it. The plus three and a half, I wouldn't touch. Um, even the plus four, especially juiced, I wouldn't touch because if he doesn't give a shit, you know, I'd rather lose the money line, six, four, six, two, than a plus three and a half where your break-even percentage again is, you know, 50%. It protects you in the scenarios where he cares and loses seven, six, seven, five, seven, six, seven, six, seven, six, or you know, seven, five, seven, five is not even a win on a plus three and a half or goes three sets, right? 
three tight sets. Outside of that, I mean, if if he gives a shit, I I think that an implied probability for him to win of 25% is outrageous on a fast court that rewards serves and kind of allows you to just tune out mentally as long as you're still battering down first serves. You can still find holds if he does go through a rut. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the Bublik money line. I'm not going more than like a half unit to a unit on that. But I think at that price, it's it's just egregious and I, I have to get involved. And uh, don't get me wrong. This isn't Sinner looked bad in his last match at the French Open. That's not where I'm going with this. That was like a mental collapse more than a physical one, except in the fifth set where it became a little physical. But this is a grass court. He, th- they're not going to be playing long points. Bublik does not want to play long points. He's not going to look to wear him down. That's not the angle here. I don't, maybe other people are going to go with that angle. I don't think it's the most pertinent way to go about it, but Bublik's talent alone should be enough for you to play this at plus 300 at bet 365. And I like the set one money line at plus 200 as well. Sinner did win two qualifying matches uh, at this event in 2019 before going out in the first round to Nico Jari. Now, I think we know what that guy is all about. Big serving scam artists. (laughs) (laughs) Bublik's right up that alley, baby. All right. We've said it all for today. Grass action is going to be fast and furious. We will be back later this week. Follow John at Jared Tweets Tennis, at Tibbetts Tennis. Follow us at MP9 Tennis. Please do subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. Until next time, see you in the court.